0: Welcome to Political as a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Assel, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Hey, Corey. Good evening, Todd. Good evening. All right, so we had a political earthquake here in Utah this past week. Representative Chris Stewart, who represents Congressional District 2, he announced that he was going to retire. I want to start by saying, having a, a little bit of an ode to Chris, I know him personally, he's a very good man. You know he's got a fantastic biography in that he was an Air Force pilot. Uh, he's a veteran; he was in the Air Force for uh, an entire career and retired. in In Congress, we have fewer and fewer uh, folks who've who've served in the military, and so I think that was important. He's played a senior role on the Intel Intelligence Committee, the House Intelligence Committee, and which is a, a pretty important perch, uh, even though we don't technically know what they do. I mean, I know what they do, but we don't get to hear the, the inside stuff. He's also pretty senior on the House Appropriations Committee. And, uh, and he's played a, a great leading role there. And I know he's gotten some stuff for Utah through, um, through that process. I think he's been really effective. And I would say, personally, I believe he's the most effective of all of our entire delegation. And so I think that, you know, we're losing something. I think he's a really good man, great public servant, He's there for all the right reasons. I know that he has a lot of haters in the second district, particularly in Salt Lake City, but I think that they misjudge him. He's a, he's a, he's a really good man, and, and uh, they may disagree with him, but he, he's there for, for the really right reasons, and I want to say there's some really disgusting rumors out there about uh, the wife um, situation that he's, you know, he's he mentioned that he needs to re- retire because she's sick. I'm not going to share what I know because he, you know, I'll let them him do that or not, but she is not well. And so, you know, it's sad and it's a tough situation and he's, he's making a really admirable decision in my opinion, you know, the right decision. And so this is, this is real. This isn't an excuse. And, um, you know, he has got a great family and he's a family man. Anyway, I want to give you the chance, Todd, if, uh, if you have any thoughts on Chris.
1: Yeah, I've known Chris since 2011 and, um, He had his very first meeting of his political career with delegates in my uh, dining room. Um, After he was elected, uh, he took me out for breakfast in D.C. and told me that um, he wanted me to start thinking about succeeding him when he was done, which I've been doing for 12 years now. Um, And um, I I really uh, consider him a friend. Um, I think he's a hero for not only his military service, but also his, um, his public service and um, uh, my wife and his wife. And uh, we, we've done things together, not recently, but, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty public knowledge that she had a stroke last year and that was on top of losing some of her hearing and losing some of her eyesight. Um, and, you know, Chris is 62. I'm guessing that his wife is, you know, uh, within a few years of his age. So they're approaching what traditionally people have believed is retirement age. And um, it's my understanding, he, on Memorial Day, he was at a family picnic and uh, announced to a large group that he would be retiring so that he could spend more time with her and help her, um, you know, with her with her health needs. And I think family, as Republicans, we should all agree that family comes first. So there is no scandal. There is no, uh, I mean, all of that is just absolutely ridiculous and disappointing. Um, but, you know, it does open up. Uh, a field, you don't have, you don't get an open seat in in Utah for a federal office like that very often. The last one, of course, was when Rob Bishop um, resigned. Um, And uh, as you know, it's really hard to run against an incumbent and win. I mean, Burgess Owens did it, but no one thought he was going to win. You and I certainly didn't think he was going to win over Ben McAdams, but he did. Um, John Curtis had a similar opportunity when Jason Chaffetz decided to step away. But you know, that was, you know, what, six, six years ago now. So these opportunities don't come along every day. And so you're going to see a lot of people express interest in this and uh, it'll, it'll be, it's going to make this summer and fall a lot more interesting than it otherwise would have been, you know, kind of just waiting around for Mitt Romney to announce a decision.
0: Without a question, that is true. And inquiring minds want to know, Todd. (laughs) Are you running for the second congressional district?
1: Well, 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 my name has certainly been out there. And like I just said, I've been, you know, Chris, you know, Chris kind of put this in my mind. I'm not saying that he would endorse me today. I'm not even saying he would say the same thing today because there's there's been a lot of mileage between 2012 and 2023. But, um, um, you know, and we haven't agreed on every issue, but I have a great deal of respect for him. So it's something I'm definitely considering. Um, it's a big decision because if you're going to run for Congress, In this day and age, you're going to spend about uh, every day, all day, dialing for dollars, asking people for money. So, you know, depending on who else gets in, um, uh, it's, um, you know, I need to see a path for victory. So Becky Edwards uh, has announced and I like Becky. She's a friend. Uh, Personally, I feel like she's too moderate or liberal um, to to win this district, which is kind of anchored in St. George, which is a very conservative part of the state. But uh, if, you know, if Becky and I were on the ballot, that would split, um, it would split the Davis County vote because this, this, this Southern Davis County is in this district, which hurts me. And um, ideologically, I think, uh, you know, Becky and I would draw from similar pools of supporters. And so I think her entry in the race, you know, makes, would make it more difficult for me to win. And as much as I love Becky Edwards personally, I don't see a path for victory for her, um, uh, as I didn't in the Mike, 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 Lee race either. So, um, in any event, you know, Mike Lee was an incumbent, so that's one thing. Um, but, uh, you tell me, Corey, isn't this the, is second district, the most conservative district in the state out of the four congressional districts? I think it is.
0: I think either. that's right. Uh, yeah. I'd have to double check on that, but yeah, it's, it's I like think plus 11 is the, or plus 12.
1: It's plus or, 12. Burgess is, I think is the least, uh,
0: it Burgess is like plus eight or something.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. So again, um, I mean, uh, Becky Edwards is a great person. Um, love her, love her husband. She released a video before the last election uh, with a bunch of other women, including Ali Isom saying don't vote for Donald Trump. She's a member of the Salt Lake Tribune editorial board, which is just a mouthpiece for every liberal idea. And um you know, she criticized the Dobbs decision when it came out um, when she was running against Mike Lee. So I just don't see, you know, how people in Washington County are going to say, "Yeah, you know, we want Becky Edwards to, you know, replace Chris Stewart." She's, you know, uh, diametrically opposed to Chris Stewart. I think on a lot of, uh, you know, he's very he's quite a conservative, you know, not not I wouldn't say extremist, but you know, he's not freedom caucus or anything like that. But uh, he's laid out conservative positions, and she's laid out very moderate positions. So I. I'm not sure the political calculus that she's looking at other than she obviously wants, really wants to be in DC.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I won't pile on too much. I, I don't know her personally, but I do think that um, she, I don't understand. I, I didn't understand her rationale for Senate and I don't understand her rationale now. And I would personally, I think it's a real shame if uh, you know, you end up not getting in because you know, she's, she's there to block or, you know, take some votes that, that uh, you know, I, I actually think it's unfair. I mean, a lot of folks will compare you to her and say, you know, you're comparable candidates. And I just think that's complete nonsense. We've been doing this thing for two years now. Yeah. And you're pretty conservative. I know that, you know, maybe not well, quite as conservative yeah, and as I many, have but some exceptions. I,
1: you <laughs> know, I have some exceptions. I, I don't really think that, you know, picking on trans kids is a great long-term strategy through the Republican Party. I mean, there are some things where I've taken some issues with some other conservatives, but but second amendment abortion rights. I have been, I have, I have a very solid conservative voting record. So, yeah.
0: And, and I don't, I don't think we can say that about her at all. So other, other candidates that are being bandied about Greg Hughes, you know, multiple at first, I thought that was rumor, but since then quite a few people have said they've talked to him and you know, he doesn't service.
1: live in the district, but he is going to run and he will be a, a front runner. Now Greg has moved very far to the right since he left the house. Um, I always viewed him as a conservative but a pragmatic voice. And, um, you know, as he ran for governor and during COVID, he seems to really have moved kind of more into that Kim Coleman space. And she's also, I think, going to run. And I want to be clear I live in the district. Becky Edwards lives in the district. Greg Hughes doesn't live in the district. Kim Coleman doesn't live in the district. However, according to the US Constitution, you don't have to live in the district. But I do think that that will be a factor in this race.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, particularly like distance. Um, it's one thing if you live down the street. It's another if it's like a half an hour away. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so another one who lives a, wa- a ways away, Mike Kennedy, um, is also, I know, considering it. And so someone who does live in the district, Jordan Hess, who is vice chair of the Republican Party. who is was in um, St. George area, Washington County. And, and he's um, currently
1: vice chair of the party. Great guy. I
0: like Jordan. Yeah, I think a lot of people do like him really seems to me like he wants to run. And, and I, I know from time to time, he listens to the show. So, you know, we like him. Uh, another one, this could be a really interesting candidate, Brad Bonham, who's the past uh, founder of a furniture company. And uh, he now does venture capital stuff. Um, and uh, you know, obviously also does a lot of personal wealth,
1: a lot of money, but does not live in the district.
0: Doesn't live in the district. So, you know, you, yeah. I, going back to Greg Hughes and Kim Coleman, I do, I do, you know, I like Kim of course, and I know her and, I haven't gotten to know Greg, but obviously they would cover a lot of the same folks. (laughs) And I I
1: think Jordan would too. Um, And quite frankly, I mean, if I were in the race, my dream would have two, you know, really conservative candidates from St. George to kind of split up the Washington County vote, because that's, you know, that's over uh, almost a third of the voters in the district, Republican voters in the district. Um, Anyway, but that would be Ideal for me, but uh, let me just remind everybody because we have not tackled the plural plurality issue if if candidates go to convention and no one gets sixty percent, um, then the convention will send two names to the primary ballot, and then everyone who gets signatures could be on top of that. So this is a race that could easily have five or six candidates on the Republican primary ballot yeah. and Corey, I'm hearing that i think this will be announced by the governor by wednesday i'm hearing that the primary will be set sometime in likely in september or october mm. with general election in november or december that's what i that's the rumor on the street
0: so so you think he would set two special dates then huh and not try to use no, november 7th
1: well the problem with using november 7th is you know, the municipal primary election, which I think you know about as a candidate mm-hmm. for Lehigh City Council, yeah. uh, is August 15th. And uh, had uh, Representative Stewart announced his intentions even three weeks ago, we could have, and this is what we did with John Curtis, his race when Jason Chaffetz, we, we did the primary with the municipal primary and then did the general with the general. But we missed that date. And according to federal law, you have to mail out the ballots 45 days before the election. So now that we've missed that August 15th date, um, if if we wait until um, November for the primary election for Chris Stewart's seat, then we're into January or February for the general. And that's right on top of the presidential primaries.
0: That's interesting. So, I mean, two, two special elections, the, a primary special and a general It'll, election special. That
1: would cost the state... Uh, Two million dollars. Now, I think that there's still a very short window to do a primary on September 5th or September 12th, and still do the general on the first Tuesday in November. But I'm I'm just not sure how truncated um, the the governor's office and the and the legislative leadership. And because my name's been floated, I I'm I'm not lobbying um, I'm not lobbying anybody for anything. But I'm just looking at the calendar and I've read the law, so. So it's, it's not too hard to figure out. And remember, and this is the most important part, the Republicans only have, what, a four-seat majority. Um, yeah. George Santos has been indicted, and Chris Stewart is resigning. So that cuts you yeah. from four seats down to two seats. Now, if you have an unexpected heart attack, a plane crash, an assassination, I mean, so you're getting really, really, really close. And so I think you'll see the powers that be, Kevin McCarthy, John Curtis, whoever, putting some pressure on Utah leaders saying this needs to happen sooner rather than later. Chris Stewart's likely uh, going to stay um, in at least a name only uh, a member until September. Um, and so the question is, do, do you want that seat to be vacant six months after September or just yeah. two months after September?
0: No, you're right. I, I think it is urgent. I think I think it is urgent to fill that seat. And, and I don't think this country can uh, want wants to take that risk. And it we should mention that he did announce to his family he, or he did share his his plans to his family on, on Memorial Day. It was private. And, it was private. And privately. And then obviously one of them shared it with Brian Schott or whatever, which is kind of a bummer, I think, because come on, you know, family members, but you know, it is what it is. And so so there's I think there's been a lot of griping about Chris's announcement and so forth, but I don't think that he had in mind that it was going to turn out that way. I think he was planning on taking another week or two, getting ready, sharing his announcement, saying that he's probably going to, you know, he'll work with the governor and step down sometime in September, something like that. But all that got short circuited. And even, even when I've read uh, shots, Twitter, uh, his, his post. uh, So I know Chris's family pretty well. And I texted a couple of them and they're like, how'd you even know that? (laughs) Yeah, Like, well, the whole world knows it now. So
1: so Brian shot, we should say as a reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune, um, you know, you can uh, get mad at him for kind of trouncing Chris's timeline, because I think Chris wanted to wait a whole nother week until like, you know, tomorrow or Tuesday to announce but on the other hand, that's Brian Schott's job. And so if he's.
0: Well, you know, yeah, I don't blame him so much as I think it's yeah. a bummer. when I say it's a bummer, I think it's a bummer that someone from the family like leaked it or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I, I, there's a I, rumor going around that I leaked it. I'm not a member of Chris's family. I was not at the funeral I'm at the Memorial Day uh, picnic. And I found out about it when uh, Brian Schott called me on on Tuesday and asked me if I'd consider running. So,
0: <laughs> And it's a double bummer because uh, I, you know, I think most of us don't necessarily hold Brian shot in the highest regard. So it's, you know, it's, it's a shame that he's the one that uh, got to break the news. He's
1: but. been whining on on Twitter all weekend that the governor sent an invitation to some unnamed event to one of the other reporters at the tribune, that reporter couldn't make it. So Brian called and said, can I come, or I'll come in his stead. And they said, Oh, no, that invitation wasn't transferable. So, so Brian feels like now he's getting blackballed somehow, but you know, if Brian's being punished by the governor's office, it's probably for something like this, where they thought, you know, that was a little bit uncouth to step on Chris's family's toes.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of dumb. I don't have any
1: personal knowledge of that. So.
0: So let's talk real quick about the Democrats who might get in. Cale Weston, perennial candidate running for everything and always. And, And
1: he ran before, um, (laughs) <laughs> and he he would have run against um, Mike Lee, except the Democrats booted him to the curb for good old Evan.
0: <laughs> That's but right, he right. ran
1: against Chris Stewart in 2020 and lost by a substantial margin.
0: Yeah, like 30 points or something. And So you know, Kale Weston be that guy. But um, also Kathleen Reeby, who's uh, who's been on this show, you know, member of the, the legislature i, I got to think that maybe she's positioning herself for something else. Uh, if she well, I there. sat
1: next to Kathleen. We just on the Senate floor, we had an aisle in between us, but I sat next to her for either two or or four years. I can't remember. Um, she's a fun person. She's fun to talk to. We get along really, really well. Um, but let me just say, I'm not going to say she's liberal. I'm just saying when Bernie Sanders runs out of ideas, he calls someone like Kathleen. <laughs> so. uh,
0: well said. All right. Any final thoughts on that? We're uh, we're going to wait on the edge of our seats for, for you. To so decide. Um,
1: the legislature, um, if so, the the legislature will probably have to meet in another special session on June 13th or 14th. It's whatever day they were going to be an in interim meetings anyways, for two reasons, either a right now, the current replacement law, which has never been used before because it was passed after John Curtis, which there was no law in place. It says there has to be 90 days between the resignation and the primary and 90 days between the primary and the general. You might see the legislature shorten that up to like 75 days, which would allow a September primary. I don't think they can shorten it up enough now to um, coordinate with the August 15th primary, but if they could with the municipal primaries, that would be ideal. The second thing is the legislature will have to appropriate money if there is going to be an off um, off election off election date um, primary, so so expect a special session in June on top of the special session we had in May, which was primarily for flooding money.
0: So Todd, if you didn't know, it's Pride Month. And oh, if you I, didn't I know, heard that. Yeah. If you didn't know, then I guess my only response is you must not be on the internet at all.
1: <laughs> well, how could you not know? Because um, the Daily Wire has been been showing what is a woman for free on Twitter. Yeah, I
0: watched it. You know, I wanted to watch it before, but I didn't want to pay. And, you know, I got to watch it for free the other day. And it's I, I watched. I highly that. recommend it.
1: I watched it a year ago. It's uh, it's a thoughtful piece that I'm sure some people will think is offensive and other people will think is quite humorous. So.
0: I think it's both humorous and uh, incredibly insightful. I mean, yeah. he just asks the questions and yeah. lets them answer in their own way. Uh, and he doesn't even ask it in a gotcha way. But yeah. in any event, uh, it's Pride Month. You know, June is Pride Month. And for those who don't know, Pride is like LGBTQ plus minus ABCDEFG. And Governor Cox put out a statement this this past week declaring pride month in utah as well something he's done in the past but in the past he's mentioned lgbt and this time he did not and so a lot of folks in that in in that community are saying you know he's he's backing off and that sort of thing and they're pretty they're pretty angry and they call him a coward and so forth i i don't know the reason he did it and maybe you do but this is what i'm going to say first he probably didn't mention the letters because it continues to grow. And the number of letters is like you're never gonna get enough because it's LGBT plus minus UI Q- divided plus, by BCG, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't want to do all that. And so he just, you know, meant he he said, Hey, basically we're all God's children and we should love each other, which you know, I think that's a good message. I don't know that he necessarily needs to declare Utah Pride Month because it's basically national pride month, but you know, he did what he did and um and I suspect the reason he he didn't put the letters in is because, you know, it's just, it it continues to grow and maybe, you know, he didn't know what would be kosher, how many letters or not. But I don't know, Todd, what do you think?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, he had put in the letters the last two years and he took them out this year. My guess is they wanted just in addition to what you said, they, you know, rather than repeating those letters four or five times in a statement, I think they just, I mean, Pride is inherently combined with the LGBT movement. So there's no yeah. way to separate the two. I think it was just a more succinct statement this year. I don't know that. I, I think people are reading, trying to read too much into it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, for my, for my own part, not that anybody cares, but my, my own view is that I, I just think the transgender stuff, particularly as it relates to kids, is just an entirely different genre. And it probably yeah. doesn't even belong with the LGBT. And, you know, I've been a I've been. Supportive of gay marriage for for a long time, and you know, and I think that Pride Month in and of itself is fine or whatever. But what's changed in the last like year and a half to two years is is kind of this uh, you know transgender agenda that's just different than than you know what we've seen in the past. And so he's probably responding a little bit of that. It's
1: all about the kids these days. Uh, You got to take your kids to drag shows. You've got to tell you know kindergartners about transgender people and. Their teacher sex lives, and you know, you got to let kids, you know, have transgender surgeries and to, you know, use whatever hormones or testosterone. It's become more and more about the kids, which two years ago that was not the case. I agree with you one hundred percent.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was a con- conversation about consenting adults versus versus uh, very dangerous, you know, surgeries for kids. But part of this uh, part of this fervor and anger that blew up was UTA had a bus that had, had a, a pride wrap around it. And of course, you know, I spent a decent amount of time in DC and they're all over the place all the time. Doesn't matter if it's June or July or, you know, any month of the year. But, uh, but the, the UTA had, had a pride bus. That they were going to run in the parade. I don't know if it actually ended up running in the parade or not, but representative Trevor Lee um, got on and Twitter others. and called him out.
1: Well, I think, and, others. and I th- others, I think representative Lee was part of it and called him out on Twitter, but I, what I understand, I don't have, I haven't confirmed this, but uh, I think there were several conservative House members who contacted UTA and were saying, why why are we spending taxpayer money on this? And, you know, UTA does not have a lot of extra money because they're constantly, you know, at the legislature with their hand out. So, um, and I think it's a fair question. Now, it, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to lose any sleep if UTA has a few buses wrapped in, in with, you know, pride things, but I'm not sure anybody was paying for those other than the taxpayers. And I think it's a great question. You know um, we're flying the U S the United States is flying a pride flag at our embassy uh, next to the Vatican this month, but we don't do that in Russian country. I mean, in Muslim countries, you know, it seems like, it seems like the left knows it's okay to, pick on Christians, step on toes of Christians, they do that in in, in, in situations where they would never even uh, think about doing it if it were a Muslim country or a Muslim tradition. And I think that's sad. I mean, obviously, Christians aren't going to, you know, declare a jihadi or I, I, whatever the term is. I remember that author, Salman Rushdie, had to go into hiding, you know, for 20 years. Um, you know, obviously, we don't. Oh, and he was almost murdered. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that Christian um, symbolism or religion is any less important, should be any less important to governments than than Muslim or Jewish. And, you know, we also have this, you know, incident, which we didn't put on our agenda, but the Dodgers, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are hosting um, this um, uh, LGBT group that is uh, very disrespectful to um, Catholic uh, icono- iconography or however you say that. And that's been interesting because now the players of the teams that will be on the field are issuing statements. And, you know, the cat, you know, the Dodgers have a very large Hispanic Hispanic base of supporters of fans and, and many of them are Catholic. And so it's just weird kind of what's going on. I mean, I, I lived in Southern California. I know the Dodgers for, for decades have had a Mormon day and all that meant was all of the wards, you know, would buy tickets and go on the same day, but it wasn't like they were handing out Book of Mormon, copies of the Book of Mormon to everybody that walked in. But to have, you know, presenters who are going to be making a mockery of of the cross and of um, uh, people dressed up like nuns, I I just think that that's a step backwards for our country.
0: Yeah, it's too bad. So some folks have said, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that uh, the wrap was donated or whatever, so that, so that actually UTA didn't pay for it. I, I don't know if that's true, but in any event I, I do think that it's it's pretty darn political to be driving around in something like that so would we have would we have a you know could i donate like a second amendment rap for the uta to drive around or you know
1: or a book of mormon rap yeah or, could
0: the church like donate something like that like i i don't think that's right i i you know if it was a book of mormon rap i would say that's that's the wrong place for that to be you know advertised
1: and, and as a republican who's established continually through my voting that i'm not anti lgbt I will say it seems like everyone expects all of the rules to be bent for Pride Month like that. That's the expectation when if you bend the rules for anything else there, you know, there'd be an outrage. So I think there's something to that. Now, again, I wouldn't lose any sleep if there was a UTA bus driving around, you know, with with like like there probably was last year. So I think there's good points on both sides.
0: All right, we only got to two topics because there was so much to talk about and we're already over time. So, Todd, any last word? Um, We'll see you next week. All right, see you next week. Thanks, Corey. Bye now. (laughs) Bye-bye.